Ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Rally Caps. It is a podcast for the creative entrepreneur building a business for the long haul. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Chris Chu to the show. Chris is one of the most energetic and empathetic creators to break out in the YouTube space in recent memory. He took his channel at the beginning of 2020, made a couple of videos that went viral, including some of from his incredible self-portrait series, and has since grown his channel to over 64,000 subscribers and is officially taking his channel full-time in 2021. Now, he's a low-key motivational speaker, a bona fide expert in film photography, the greatest intersection of NBA fan and artist, and secretly a former high school homework cheating ringleader. Is all that true, Chris? <laughs> oh, <man>. Yo, first... <laughs> First of all, great intro, but I didn't know you were gonna include I didn't know you were gonna include my criminal history into my intro. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm very honored to be on this podcast and uh, to everyone listening. Yes, I was a I, I I led one of the biggest cheating rings in my high school and freshman year just to make friends. So people do really dumb things to get attention when they're young. And uh, I hope you guys learn from Man. it or don't do it, <laughs> period. <laughs> crazy well hey man you always uh you always include a a good ass intro in your mm -hmm. youtube videos so we felt like it was only fair to give one to you oh, to, uh, to bring you. up your podcast episode. you guys you guys <laughs> nail intros for sure i i really like uh, how much like detail you put into it i like the intersection of the nba fan too like, i like to include like a lot of basketball <laughs> references and, and my stuff <laughs> oh yeah i know you're one of them Bay Area boys. I oh, know. yeah, for sure. Yeah, a Warriors <laughs> fan. Another one. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Chris. We, you know, you and I have developed this relationship over the past year. It's been super cool being able to connect and just see you raging with success online. And as an artist, has just been so fun to see on just sitting on the sidelines and watching it all happen. Um, before we kind of jump into questions, can you give a little backstory just like how old you are? Uh, maybe a bit more about the Bay Area and that history and that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm 25 years old, actually recently just turned 25. And uh, I've been living in the Bay Area all my life, been born and raised here. And uh, in terms of like the whole like career aspect, photography thing, uh, photography is not as huge here as it is in LA or New York because those are like the industry titans. Mm. But in the Bay Area, it's all about computer science and finance, the engineering lifestyle. I'm actually kind of wearing a very San Francisco uniform right now with a <laughs> Patagonia jacket. I should have just taken this off. Now somebody's going to roast me in the comments <laughs> section. But um, yeah, I, I went to school to study to become a software engineer to like, you know, get the six figures and the glass house. Like that was my life goal um, in high school. But, mm. you know, obviously things took a turn for the better, actually. And uh yeah, I do photography full time, YouTube full time, rather. It's a great segue into I just like I still don't have a, a a good finger on the pulse of your business. So I just wanted to ask what what is your business? Because I see you doing different things, obviously doing YouTube, exploding that channel. You shoot weddings, but you also photograph portraits. You do film photography. You're obviously dabbling in filmmaking. Like what what has your business been the past five years and what is it now? Just give us the whole like blueprint. Oh, for sure. All. Like uh, five years ago, that was 2016. Uh, 2016, I was mainly doing like graduation photos because I was in college, uh, grad photos, mm -hmm. um, couple uh, portrait sessions, some engagements. I didn't have too many friends getting engaged five years ago. Um, and then like it started to progress into uh, weddings because the church that I went to when I was at San Jose State, 
there are just like a bunch of people getting married. Like, and this, I think it was 2018. Uh, a lot of like mid to late, like 20 year olds were getting married. And then um, some people like started to get to know me. And uh, I was also serving at that church, like doing like uh, photography and like social media for them. So um, some people started to like throw my name into like hats and into buckets saying like, oh, Chris does photos. And then I shot my first wedding July 2018, I believe. And I was the second shooter. I learned so much from my um, first shooter, the primary shooter. And um, I like kind of like took it from there and like started to become the primary shooter for uh, the weddings after that. I've only like second shot for weddings, like I think five or six times after that. So like it was primarily like weddings. Like that was like my like cash cow. That was my money maker for two years. And then uh, mm-hmm. I always had this aspiration to get into commercial photography because I really like products. Um, one of my life goals is to like shoot a lifestyle like thing for Nike or for like um, other things. Like there, there's t- plenty of people who like who have that life goal that like milestone that they want to hit. Mm-hmm. But um, I recently jumped into uh, the commercial world in March of 2020 last year, right when COVID hit. Uh, because when COVID smacked down into the Bay Area and Bay Area locked down and then California went to lockdown, all weddings that I had in 2020 got rescheduled to this year. And they're probably half of them are already rescheduling to next year, which is insane. And um, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shoot, like I lost all my gigs, like pretty much overnight within the span of two days. And then yeah. I think all of April, I had nothing. It made me a little bit nervous, uh, but that gave me time to start making YouTube videos. And then like, you know, God bless that uh, I had like a couple of videos like pop off. And then the right people started to watch my videos, whether they were people who knew me or people who didn't know me. And then they worked for startups in the Bay Area. And there's like startups everywhere, like over here. Like mm-hmm. if you throw a rock in any direction, like you're going to like hit someone who wants to start a new app or something. <laughs> so uh, when yeah. when like these people start to like see my content, like on my Facebook, on my Instagram and all this stuff, they're like, oh, he can actually do video and his photos are good. So they start reaching out mm-hmm. to me for like digital content for like um, their social media campaigns and for like other campaigns. Wow. And it was like finally like the moment where I've been like telling people like you should make an online presence for yourself. And they're like, nah, like in 2018, they're like, no, don't need it. 2019, no, I don't need it. People are still coming in. And then when COVID hit, they're like, oh, we do need it. And I'm like, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so like in, in the summer of 2020, my business exploded uh, commercially. And um, my biggest one was uh, for a startup, for a furniture startup company. And uh, my old, old high school friend uh, reached out to me because he is the senior operations manager there. So he said like, hey, like I really like the stuff that you're putting out. Like, do you do this and this and this? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can definitely do that. He threw my name in a bucket. The company chose me. And then from then on, it was like history. Like I, I'm primarily a commercial photographer now for startups, not necessarily for like clothing lifestyle, which is like what I kind of want to do. But like uh, these startups, like they vary from like um, what I just said, like furnitures to actual like, software stuff and like it's kind of weird how they want pictures of their product because you can't really take pictures of software but um they pay a lot for just headshots alone and it's like whoa that's crazy like i didn't know that there was like such a big budget for a simple headshot that took like 10 minutes at most and it's uh it's well it's all about lighting for sure but it's not even that complicated versus like a wedding wedding is so much work but headshots is like super simple but the budget is like really high so that's kind of like what I do now, but uh, it's starting to slowly become a side thing as I make YouTube my full-time thing because I do want to like 
you know, have the full creative direction. I want to like hit the sponsors, the sure. Squarespace mm-hmm. gates, the heavenly gates. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just want to like be, be uh, well off on that. Well off on that. Yeah. What you said is really profound about having some sort of online presence when the world goes into, you know, the dark and you can't actually do any face-to-face interaction, whatever you, you're doing uh, creatively or with business. Um, and so seeing you succeed in a year and a lot of other people kind of doing the same because they built those up, it I think it's calling that to attention for so many entrepreneurs, so many creative people and being like, I just need to be more diversified in some mm. sense. And we had that same kind of conversation with Ben Heish as well. Um, just super cool to see it in action with yeah. you. And honestly, that's one of the biggest motivating factors behind starting rally caps for mm-hmm. us is because coming out of a crazy year like 2020 like everyone that's in our position either had to learn how to pivot in the midst of all of that or already had maybe something in the works and it's cool to be able to come out of that after everyone's a little more battle hardened yeah. and talk with everyone about hey what was your strategy how did you mm-hmm. kind of survive throughout yeah. all of that how did you keep your business afloat uh, and now we're able to talk with everyone who has these new fresh perspectives uh, and kind of share those those secrets or those tricks or those those plans or whatever it is that they built uh, to hopefully inspire other people to do the exact same thing um, Chris one of the the I guess maybe consistent themes I've seen at least in your YouTube channel is your love for film which is so so cool because one you're ridiculously good with it and the videos you make of those trips are just incredible and you made one kind of recently about a trip that you took to yosemite with your parents and you i bet you know where i'm going with this but man that one photo that you took with the x-pan of the valley was i mean insane like absolutely insane did you expect it to turn out that cool and when you saw that like developed and scanned and everything. Did that just like reinforce your love for film on the Oh whole? my gosh, absolutely. Like 100% across the board. Number one, definitely didn't expect it to look that good. I never really expect any of my film shots to look that good. And you know, I guess that's like kind of like part of the uh, allure for it. Um, two, when I mm. did see the final scan, my mind was blown because like I always ask for like the raw tiff from my lab. So like it's unedited, no, not color graded. And it looked yeah. like completely perfect when it like arrived in like a Dropbox folder. And this is oh, like, yeah. yeah, that like what you just said, it adds to the whole excitement of like doing film. And like my whole passion for it started with uh, a close friend of mine who's been shooting for fi- shooting with like um, film for like, I think six years now. And um, it wasn't until 2000, late 2019, um, when he took a photo of me, like kind of like just like in my own element, I wasn't really paying attention to anything, but, um, the, the exposure, like we all talk about it, the dynamic range, the exposure latitude, it was insane. Like he got the clouds perfectly mm-hmm. exposed, the sky perfectly exposed, I'm perfectly exposed, the shadow perfectly exposed. I'm like, how did you get that? Like straight out of the box. It's like, oh, like is this and that, mm-hmm. like this component. And then like when I looked more into it, then I found like the other film photographers like Willem, Joe, Corey. And uh, I was like, oh, this is like really fun, really lo-fi stuff. But um, what I didn't see in the film YouTuber space was um, kind of like a concentration on composition because I think like during like the mm. spike of interest in film, like um, Porsche 400 was like mega hyped. Uh, Porsche 800 was like second and then like so on and so forth. And then like, I think composition got a little, like kind of slipped out um, in, in some way, shape or form because people just start to take pictures of like 
random things. Like, I, I think it's like good that people are exploring their creativity in their own way. But when you only see like pictures of like fire hydrants and rolled up trash on the ground and like a coffee cup, like on like a pile of dirt, it's like, uh, like that, that I don't, I don't know if like that was intentional or if you just shot that because Instagram really likes it or like, you know, like, so I wanted to like, kind of like bring it back. Like, um, Hey, like composition, like does matter. It's not all about technique. Mm -hmm. Like ever, I think like people should have a foundation, but then explore out of that, you know, branch off. So that's kind of like what I saw missing sort of in the in the film photography world. And it's just sure. so fun. It's it's such a nice little yeah. like I'm sure both of you can attest to this. It's such a nice change up from like our regular paid work. Right. It's, just, it's so awesome to just 100%. go out. Yeah. Shoot something, not be able to see it. And then like two to two to two days to like seven days later. You get to see, you're like, oh, shoot, this is pretty nice. You know, it's, it's so refreshing. It, yep. It's really countercultural, honestly, because we're so instant gratification. It ha giving the delayed gratification in an art form is so foreign to us who grew up in an era where all of the art that you make, all the things that you make, all the creative endeavors that you have are all instantaneous. You get, you post the video, it gets the views. You post the Instagram photo, you get the likes. And so I think that delayed part helps you slow down and care so much more about what you do but something i'm i'm even picking up and what you're saying and it's consistent in a lot of the guests we've already had and seeing people be successful is and I, this is especially what you said is especially very similar to what daniel was saying a lot um daniel inskeep was saying a lot with his new finance channel it's just like seeing gaps in a market and filling those gaps you know and um seeing what people are doing consistently and copying each other and then just taking a different angle and kind of betting on something that's a little bit different so that people go, huh, you mm -hmm. know? And it, weirdly enough, I kind of see that similarly like in the investing world, you know, like we're, we're really kind of getting into investing recently and getting into stocks and that's a whole different subject, but it's kind of the same idea of investing and investing yourself creatively. A lot of successful investors are always like, you know, two steps ahead of the curve and seeing like what's on the horizon, what company is going to be the next big thing, what thing should I be investing in with my money? And I think it's very similar creatively where you see that gap, you see that open opportunity and you invest in it by making something, you invest in it by doing something. And then all of a sudden you're kind of on the leading edge of that new topic and you're kind of considered a voice, um, of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A voice of, uh, leadership right. i don't know mm -hmm. like you're 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 the leading the lines you're leading uh the, kind of the charge in that space then and i see that with you for, for sure um with with a bunch of different things and it's cool to hear you say that because it's it's just fulfilling that idea uh that i had about it that you're you are thinking intentionally about these things did you guys start off uh imitating someone and then like branch off from there or did you guys like kind of like already know what kind of style you like to shoot in or or kind of like the person that you want to be like when you started out? It's a great oh, question. Man. Yeah. I, our first guest, Bench Heish, I was a huge Bench Heish fanboy mm -hmm. uh, when I started in photography. And so, yes, I was like completely trying to replicate everything he was doing. I was trying to, like I bought, once I bought Visco presets. Oh yeah. Film emulation <laughs> presets. I was like, Game over. Like I brought it in, in Lightroom. Yeah. I clicked one. I like clicked it and saw it, and I was just like, "All right, cool. I'm Ben Shaish yeah. now." Um, and and it's cringy to look back, you know, eight years, nine years at that work, and just like, "Man, you knew nothing." And I was even saying to my friends, like, 
you go through that that phase of being new, but like having enough gear or having enough experience already, and you start complaining about like why won't people pay me more? Oh. Like my stuff is just as good as mm -hmm. this person. My per what do you mean? Like look at it, it's so similar. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of creatives do that. I think a lot of young entrepreneurs do that, where they're they're playing that comparison game, and it's just a complete lack of self awareness. And so what I love teaching is just like humble yourself first of all and have like a true clear understanding of the market around you before you start having those thoughts of I'm worth more than that because the truth is the market dictates what you're worth you don't and your head doesn't mm -hmm. uh, pe what people are willing to pay is what you are worth and so mm -hmm. you just need to you need just to be gripped with that reality uh, when you experience it so that that's kind of what I learned in that process and then it felt like it felt like once I started making more YouTube videos and like posting my own creative portraiture online and doing things differently mm -hmm. that's when I started to realize like oh okay maybe some people have done these things maybe people have shot with a tilt shift lens or done a double exposure or, um, and I know we're talking photography heavy mm -hmm. talk uh, but basically in broader terms just like people have done these specific techniques, but what, what can I do? That's just a little bit different right. than that. And what variable mm -hmm. can I add to it? That's going to make it stand out and be different than everything else they've already seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, Nirav Patel was the first oh, person yeah. to really like really inspire me to go out and just take portraiture more seriously back. I think it was back in like my senior year of college, like 2016, 2017, I just got a, a Canon 5d Mark three and a, like my first prime lens. I was like, okay, Boss. it's time. Like, let's do this. And all I was doing was just like, you know, playing with light and shadows and, and really just kind of trying to understand what he does to make his images so incredibly like alluring. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's just, there's just like this magnetism yeah, that everything, yeah he makes has it's it's really impressive stuff and uh it that that was like that's the stuff that even to this day still like really really grounds me and it's like satisfying on a level that you can't quite explain but i mean he's just he's on another level he's incredible yeah both narav and benj are like really really good i i was also uh inspired by the uh the visco wave what was it like 2012 yep. <laughs> 2013 something like that and then like after that yep. I was inspired by the hype beast photographers of Instagram, orange and teal, high contrast, crazy clarity, oh, all this yeah. other stuff. And then always oh, yeah. shooting vertical. That was so always shooting vertical. I, I look back in my archives. I don't have a single horizontal photo. It's, ugh, it's so <laughs> frustrating to see that because uh, <laughs> I, I want to like, you know, show people like my past work, but I'm like, why did I shoot all these in ver Oh, it's because it has the most Instagram real estate. That's why I shot in vertical. <laughs> so that's that was like those were the a couple of the phases that I went through. I feel like that could be a good T-shirt. Instagram real estate with the air quotes. Oh, oh it. yeah, that'd be a good little. <laughs> oh yeah, four by five. Yeah, I mean, because of that, like, how does how has that taught you like the sense of timeline? timelessness in your work and in your business how do you feel about the approach that you do now does that does that make you swing the pendulum completely over to the other side where it's like i want to i want to run my business and and be an artist like way more conservatively now um or do you still like jumping on trends here and there oh yeah that's a great question i think um in my own personal life outside of photography i've had like a bad habit of overcorrecting 
Like, if I, like, went one way and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, this isn't it. It has to be completely the opposite way. That is the correct way. I've had a bad habit of doing that. But, like, right now I'm just trying to find balance in my life, you know. Um, so, with the whole, like, photography thing, I think I like to keep an eye on what people like. But staying true to myself because I think um, what I see most often in the overcorrection of like not following trends is just like being unapologetically yourself, which is like not bad, of course. But the unhealthy extreme side that uh, I've seen other people is um, they build up this like ivory tower where they're like, oh, this is me. If you don't get it, then it must be a problem with you kind of thing. And um, I think when the whole when that overcorrection happens. I think there's like a lack of connection mm. there because um, with with our art, like all, all three of us, like mm. the whole point of it is to like communicate and connect with people, with our clients, for sure, with like our, our audience. And like, does it even mm. connect with like our loved ones kind of thing? Like, are we um, illustrating slash communicating what we want to tell, what story we want to tell? And doing the whole trend thing, you're telling someone else's story, first of all. Like if, if I'm going to be like a hype beast, trends heavy like photographer that's telling someone else's story and then like if i like overcorrect to the other side like i'm gonna be only telling my story if you don't get it then whatever like that's your problem kind of thing like you just don't have artistic like <laughs> taste or whatever so like i'm i'm like more i want i want to believe that i'm like i'm more in the middle um but the whole like timelessness thing i don't know if my work is like necessarily timeless i don't know if i would even describe it. it's kind of i think it's just like hard for any person to describe their own crafts in like a very like elegant mm -hmm. or concise way. But um, I think I, I'm, I'm definitely more technically inclined, composition heavy in my photography. Like I focus more on that than the actual like color slash edit slash thing. Uh, the latest trend that like I've seen is, um, oh man, this might be like a little outdated, but there was like a little short stint where like people... Um, took shots of like completely like out of focus like shots like they focus more on the background than the than the couple or something it does look good mm -hmm. when used sparingly but i think like everybody did it for like a month maybe or a month and a half and like it slowly died down i still incorporate it here and there because i think it's like it's nice to just show the backdrop and like the couple mm -hmm. kind of like like in focus sort of thing mm -hmm. but uh, i think that's the last thing that i hopped on if if my memory serves me correct yeah dude I love your, I love just the intentionality of how you approach like every part of the creative process. Like when you really, we want like a lot of this podcast to be business and entrepreneurial focused with artists, with creative people, but hearing you speak to that stuff first, sometimes I can feel like way too business, 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 like um, like what are the numbers, what are the analytics, you know, what kind of revenue are we driving, but without hearing what you're saying with connection of people, uh, with your clients, with your loved ones, like that is the heart of personally, like what I do for sure. And it's having that reiterated over and over is so good to know that that is the base of what you do. And when that is covered, that's when you can see a lot more of the business and financial success, um, when you have a clear purpose like that. So I just wanted to commend you just kind of for naturally just letting that kind of overflow out of you <laughs> because it's, it's, it seems oh, to be true of like everything you do. Thank you. I, it definitely stems from my environment and my past mistakes outside of photography. So like 
two two major factors that like really like helped me like lean into this lean into what makes me different <laughs> tagline um it's um whatchamacallit the first thing uh that like really inspires me to like kind of like stick onto this is the whole bay area culture of um kind of like failing to connect because uh there's just everybody's on their phones in the bay area like it's like Look in any direction. Someone is on their phone, even at dinner tables. That's one of the most rudest things I've experienced. Where like you're talking to someone, but they just like check their notification. They're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like everybody's more connected, but they fail to connect with the person across from them, kind of thing. So like, kind of just yeah. like witnessing that, like out yeah. there in the wild, like mm-hmm. in San Francisco, in San Jose. It's just like, yeah, you make like 180 grand a year. Yeah, you make like 250 grand a year. But like, are you connecting with anybody? Are you like even helping anybody? Like. With that, are you opening up your house, your glass house mm. to like have like um, dinner party, not dinner parties, but like just to like to eat with someone that you don't really know or not 100 percent like similar to. So that's one thing I, I love to connect to people because I see that mm. and I'm like, I don't want to be that. The other thing, the, the, and this is like the more like uh, in line with like don't follow trends thing and like don't tell someone else's story is like when I was a high school kid and a college kid, I was like girl crazy. So like I, I like wanted to like be in a relationship. I wanted to do all this other stuff. But like what I failed to do, like in all of those like instances, was like be myself. Uh, I always like my my default strategy was to like be the guy that you think that they would like. And like I I did that so often, and it was number one exhausting. But I didn't know um, it was exhausting. Number two is just that's just not healthy. It's not good. Like if I were to be mm-hmm. somebody else, and then they start dating me, like. What happens then? Like, am I supposed to like, keep that charade up kind of thing? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't like two relationships. And like, I was very much myself in uh, both of them. But outside of that, when I was like, um, yeah, like being girl crazy, it was dumb. Like just like chasing all of that. And then like being someone who I wasn't, those are the two experiences, the main two stories that like kind of like keep me grounded, like in the middle. It's like, don't always be chasing that kind of stuff but always try to connect kind of thing. Okay, Chris, I loved what you were just saying about the community piece. And I wanted to ask about your Discord server because that's something that I don't see any (laughs) other YouTuber photographers, especially or filmmakers do. I think that's such a unique Mm -hmm. component in like such a cool way for you to be able to connect with people on like a totally different level than just, you know, like responding to comments in the comment section or anything like that. What has that been like to have a server and to be able to interact with people more intentionally. And how do you see maybe clubhouse with that? Cause clubhouse is almost like in a similar vein. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the discord server has been like super fun, honestly. And, uh, I was blessed to have, um, great friends to help me set it up. Uh, they, they set it up without me even asking them. Um, they greeted the first 200 people to join that discord server. They came up with unique greetings for 200 people. And I'm like, I didn't even ask them to do that. So that was really nice. But, but to answer your question mainly, it's super cool because the YouTube comment section, there's not that much like back and forthness because I feel like, um, Mm -hmm. as a, as a commenter, I guess, uh, the, the, the YouTuber has to earn my comment. Like this video has to be that interesting to earn my comment. But on a discord server, you Mm -hmm. could just like go back and forth because it's like just instant messaging. And like, I, I, I talked to some of these people like about, like their own work, they, they share their work, uh, whether it's like film or digital, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we share photo books yeah. and all sort of stuff. And we also like goof around, like during the GameStop short squeeze, everybody was like memeing about that. <laughs> like it was like its own Wall Street bets, like a side channel. Like people were being like, 
just throwing memes around and it was like super fun because like I don't I don't want my Discord server to take itself too seriously. We're like, oh, we're the elite. We're we're the best photographers yeah. in the internet. Like I definitely don't want to foster that type of community. Just have fun with it. Um and like yeah. I've uh yeah. answered some people's like business questions, like, oh, how should I price myself? Or like, oh my gosh, Chris, like your story about charging $35 an hour like resonated with me because I charge $10 an hour right now. I'm like, that's not even minimum wage, dude. You got to go higher than that. So it's it's super cool to like foster that because um, I just like teaching photography and having people come to me instead of me going to them. Oh, so much more like, you know, um, relaxing, mm -hmm. so much more effortless. And for um, Clubhouse, haven't tapped into it too much, but I see a lot of people like having fun on that. I heard it's very addicting. I've only shown up on one group talk panel discussion type thing, but I can see like a high, high potential for Clubhouse. Have have you guys like hopped on it already? Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, it 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 it's a, I could see it it's addicting to a lot of people. I'm not addicted to it. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot, but it's it's definitely one of those things that gives me anxiety. It's like it's one of those places where I'm like you get you like you get oh, called yeah. to the stage. You have to say something yeah. profound. Like you have all those anxious feelings. Um, you could hop in. Like one time, I was over at my parents, and I went upstairs and was just like on my phone for a hot second. And I opened the app and I saw like some New Zealand photographers talking in a room. And I was like, oh, that might be interesting to just listen to for yeah. a minute. And I went in the room and as soon as I got in the room, they're like, oh, hey, Eric, what's up? And like brought me on stage and then they're like asking me a ton of questions. And I was like, <laughs> I can't do this right now. And my, my wife walked in the room and like the kids were going nuts. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I got called into the room. I couldn't say no. I didn't. I did that. And I was like freaking out. And uh, babe, yeah, I'm I giving a like, TED talk. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to be roped into that when I'm like not planning to spend an entire hour doing something like that. And so, for me, with an app like that, it, it almost feels like it needs to be on my terms. I don't want to ever. Like I'm so hesitant to join any room now because, like, if you have some sort of YouTube presence and you join a room with a dozen people, they might do that. Like they might just call you to yeah. the stage, and then all of a sudden you have to like give a workshop and it's like, I don't want to, I don't. And like, that's just me, tiny little me with a little YouTube channel people like Mr. Beast and like enormous people with online presence. They're like, we literally can't go on the app. I can't go in any room because everybody just yeah. does that to me. You know, like they just bring me on and I don't want to talk. I just want to listen, you know? And so I, I even see, I saw last night, like Sarah Dietschy had like a Twitter mm. room set up and there were I don't know like 50 people in there and it, I just clicked on it because I was interested same deal I was like I don't want to enter this because I don't want to I don't want to spend the time but it said would you like to go in as a speaker or would you like to go in as a listener basically like giving you oh, the okay. option so it might be cool to see if, if Clubhouse will introduce that but I don't know I look at someone like Benj who we already had on the podcast and he's already got like 10,000 yeah. followers on there and he's selling his presets and building his education brand and all that stuff so um, I did an hour long one yesterday and it was really, really cool, but yeah, it has ton tons of potential, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think the second um, coolest thing about, uh, clubhouse or, or the discord thing rather is, uh, giving, giving my subscribers like monthly challenges. Cause I'm like, Oh, like mm -hmm. they learned the stuff. Mm -hmm. Like how can I like help them apply it? So like each month I would give them a challenge and they would like share their photos kind of thing. So that, that, that part has been really cool too. One of your 
I think it was, yeah, it was when you're really your first videos, like when you were taking YouTube seriously, I think December of 2019, you told your story of dropping out of college, what it meant for you as an Asian American. And you've found a lot of like, just a lot of well-deserved success uh, since then. What kind of perspective do you have now being on the other side of that quote unquote success? And did that part of with, with your ethnicity and your culture influence other people like yourself? Like, did you get any DMS from other Asian Americans or is like, I really resonated with that. Um, and what you talked about. Oh yeah. Video. Um, that, that video definitely was like hard to make when I was filming it because I didn't really know how first my parents were going to react to it. Cause I didn't tell them that I was going to be making that video. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like being Asian, uh, one of the things that like, um, is prevalent in our culture um, is to be quiet about failures or be quiet about like very uh, boat rocking decisions uh, because you never want to rock the boat. You never want to seem like you don't have it together kind of thing. That's just like a cultural like norm uh, for Asians, let alone like Chinese people. So yeah, like when I made that, it was very freeing. It definitely answered a lot of people's questions, especially like my friends who are like, does he have a degree? Like I never saw grad pictures and all this other stuff. Like I never saw any of this stuff, but he's <laughs> back home now. So what happened? Um, hmm. Yeah, I did get a lot of like personal messages, like from people that I knew, people that I definitely don't know um, through like, you know, the, the ones who have like watched it on YouTube. Um, I think it feels very good to be on the other side. It definitely is like validating slash affirming that like what I'm doing is like greenlit, not only for me, but like greenlit for the things that I'm going to be doing. And uh, other other feelings that I have is like, like this, this like YouTube thing is not about me kind of thing. Like, yeah, like I'm in front of the camera. I'm the one that's talking. I'm the one that's editing it. But uh, I want to be the guy or one of the people who are, yeah, like, what you guys said earlier, like leading the march for like other people behind us. Um, I've had a lot of teachers like growing up, whether it was for like basketball or whether it was like in the classroom setting that had like so much humility that they were like willing to admit that like, hey, like we're teaching you so that you can be better than us. We're not teaching you because we, because we are better than you right now and you'll never be better than us. So I always like mm -hmm. express this like sentiment like in my YouTube stuff that or I, I try to at least that I'm teaching you guys these things so that you could be better than me like one day. Like I want to be able to run into you, see your work and I'm like, holy crap, like it was it wasn't that good in the in the past, but now it's spectacular now. And like, sure, you may have like a bigger YouTube audience than me like in the future or sure, you may have like more Instagram followers than me uh, in the future. But like for me, like that's a win. Like I don't care if like people pass me up from watching my stuff. I've had a lot of teachers in the past, like when I was growing up, whether that was like for basketball, for sports or like in the formal classroom setting where like they had enough humility to tell us or to tell me that like, hey, we're teaching you th these things so that you could one day be better than us. Like my basketball coach wanted all of us to be better than him when he was in high school. My teachers obviously want us to have like a better future or, or a better like opportunities than they did. And that's like fantastic. And I, and I try my best to always express the sentiment in my YouTube videos that you know, like I may have like all this experience. Yeah, I may have all this knowledge right now, but I want like my audience to know that if they apply these things, they could like super expedite their process. They don't have to take 10 to 11 years like I did to get good. They could get good in a year or or two years. But um, to have the humility to pass it on to somebody else, you know, like always paid for it. Um, yeah, like if I met somebody on the street who like said, hey, I watched your content like a year ago, two years ago. And like, here's where I'm at now. And they have like more followers than me or whatever, or like they make more money than me, or they have like more 
of a bigger online presence, I'd be like, that's a win for me. Cause like, that's awesome mm -hmm. that you're doing well. Um, it feels great that I'm not, whatchamacallit, following this uh, traditional path right now for for like the typical like Asian American in California or the Bay Area, let alone. So it's it's nice to know that like my radical boat rocking decision is inspiring and helping other people. So cool, yeah. man. That's amazing. You've also talked about in some of your videos how photography is a, a point of connection for you and your dad. And uh, went as far to mention that the Hasselblad 500CM was the camera that was used to photograph his wedding. And he's always really admired that, which is so cool. And that's such a, a neat thing to have in common with your parent. My mom is actually the reason that I first became or first picked up a camera like in middle school. She was always the one documenting everything going on in our family. And I just admired that. And I bought like a little Sony like cyber shot back in, you know, whenever it was like with 12. Um, so it's just cool to like kind of, you know, relate to that parent child relationship and how photography is kind of in there somehow too. Um, since talking about that on YouTube, have you and your dad been able to like play with that camera together at all? Have you shown him how to use it? Does he already have like this banger Instagram page now and he's just like <laughs> shooting film all the time? Like what, what's he doing? You know, that would, that would be the hope to have him have an Instagram banging like account. But unfortunately, no, we haven't been able to like show the experience on the Hasselblad. I did show him the camera. I had him hold it. I'm like, hey, do you want to like cool. take a picture of it? Do you want to like recreate like your anniversary photos with these? Like, uh, nah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. <laughs> and like, that was the end of it. Like he never like <laughs> held the camera. I offered it to him. He's like, no, it's okay. I shoot digitally now. Like that's past my age. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> so no, there's no super cool story. No like touching like father son moment. He literally just said like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you like poured your heart out and he's just like, man, you cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I love that My he mom said, I like, shoot oh, digitally so now. Nice. That's incredible. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what a millennial. <laughs> so, man, this one, I'm not going to lie. This actually, this, this kind of brought like a tear to my eye when I first watched this video. You, you, um, about a, a little over a year ago now released a video called 24 and it was this, I mean, a truly like beautiful reflection piece about your 24th birthday and also Kobe's very tragic passing. Uh, and the whole emphasis of the video was to talk about how important it is to appreciate life. Uh, one particular line that you said mm -hmm. in that that really stood out to us was, you're in the middle of what you wished for back then. How does that phrase mm -hmm. kind of shape the way that you live your life now, mm -hmm. whether that's personally or professionally? Yeah, I think for uh, myself and a lot of people who live in metropolitan um, hustle and bustle uh, cities, I think it's like very common to never really stop, reflect and just be thankful for like what we have uh, because it's like, well, on to the next thing, on to the next task, on to the next milestone. And um, when I turned 24, I realized that I have not stopped to like be thankful that I'm actually doing photography as a full-time career, that I'm having a lot of fun, that I have opportunities to like, not only photograph super cool things, but meet super cool people. I mean, like, like this, like this is a great example of that. And um, in college, 
I wished for this type of life for so long. College was not very kind to me, um, especially mentally. I don't think college is very kind to people at all, um, especially in that department. Um, so when I like left school, did this, I was like, all right, I got to put my head down, dig, 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 scratch for like any sort of like income scratch for like clients. And then like when I got my momentum, I was like, okay, now like what's next? Okay, now what's next? And then when I turned 24 mm-hmm. and um, with, yeah, with Kobe's tragic passing and um, unfortunately my grandma passed away like two days before he did. Um, it was oh kind of like good, a good reminder with a very like unfortunate setting, a good reminder to like appreciate life, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like fail, not like intentionally, but like accidentally fail in reflecting about these kind of things. And I'm so thankful that not only did I like have the courage to do this, but I'm thankful that like people believe in me, you know, that at least one person believed in me that helped me believe in myself and that people are willing to pay for my services. People are willing to like ask me about questions um, and that I'm just having so much fun in it. I don't think everybody can say that about their own line of work, which is unfortunate. Um, But I am in the middle of like everything that I wished for. And for me to think that I don't have enough would be like an insult to like God, to like um, to the people who have like blessed me. It would be like a spit in their face saying like the things that you're giving me yeah, that was good enough for 21-year-old me, but 24, 25-year-old me needs a house, needs this, needs that. That's like so mm. wrong to think. Um, so I like make sure that like, you know, I take I take a breather like every week saying like, all right, I pushed out two videos. Was I happy with it? Absolutely. Um, a year ago, was I pushing out videos like this and having fun with it? Not really. So it was, it's just good to always like stop and think like, dude, I'm in the middle of like this dream that I always wanted as a mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. That's really encouraging for me to hear, man. Uh, complete pivot and kind of just the end of all of this. I feel like um, we need to at least touch on you, kind of your emotions and feelings of what happened over the past year with going from zero to 50,000 subscribers. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people try their hand at YouTube and fail at it in different ways, you know, whatever failing means to them with, um, you know, just having a goal of, I want to post consistently and then it just never happens or, um, I'm not getting the kind of numbers I wanted. So I'm done, uh, or not feeling fulfilled with the stuff that they're making and stop making stuff. And outside of, you know, like Eric who goes from zero to a million (laughs) subscribers in in one year, um, (laughs) I, 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 uh, it, it just seems unattainable. Like what you have done from zero to 50 K. And I personally think like from my perspective on the sidelines and looking at what you've done, I think a lot of it is that you're bringing value and educating people, um, by giving them the opportunity to find economic success with a skill and, and giving them a bunch of value with basically teaching lessons in every other video, but then also being hysterical, just being a very, very funny person <laughs> and entertaining. Uh, so I think from an outsider's perspective, that's what I see. I see that inconsistency. You're consistently putting out educational, valuable information and also just really entertaining people. And a lot of people say that's like 
the recipe to success on YouTube. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like there's any other component that took you on that journey and got you to where you are now? Um, definitely. Oh man, I hope you guys. This cut is where you could talk post. yourself up. It's cool. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. This, okay. Oh God. <laughs> oh Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard for me to talk myself up and like uh, talk about myself in that in that way in that light. I'm giving you full permission. Oh, oh God, my ancestors will kill me. Um, <laughs> um, it feels great. It feels really awesome to have this audience, these numbers, um, all this other stuff. Um, it feels like super cool to inspire people to also like, you know, not take myself seriously uh, I love yeah. that part of it because I do like to troll a little bit. I mean, like Eric made like a whole video of like every YouTuber in 2021. I'm like, that's the kind of trolling level that I want to reach. Um, just like someone who's like aware of the industry and like exploit that a little bit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think at, at the whole like core of it, I'm like, I just want to be myself, you know, like I don't want to mm-hmm. like be all hyped up on the Peter McKinnon train that some people were doing, like the whole like, what's up everybody? Like everybody like did that for like a little bit. I'm like, ooh, these copycats are kind of cringy. And then um, <laughs> uh, the other things that like I, I really like to do is just, yeah, teach, you know? Like not only the composition stuff, uh, which is like very valuable, but like also the business side. I think Eric, you did a great job in like kind of like pulling back the curtain on like how much money um, is like in this, like not only, it's not about the money, but like you're encouraging people with that. You encouraged me when I was like in 2018, November 2018 depression mode. Like I was mm. I was like very much inspired by that video. I forgot when you exactly released that video, but um that that was like the feeling that I wanted to share with other people. And through like the business videos that I like put out, like that's kind of like my aim towards doing it. Mm. Or or that's kind of like my aim. Um other than that, like I want to continue to not make this about myself, you know. I want to continue to like encourage people that like, hey, there's there's freedom over here. Like there, there's a way out over here. Like come over here like this way. Encourage kids mm-hmm. that like they can pursue art full time, that they can like be themselves and like um, not only like profit off of it, even though it's not that's not like what it is at the end of the day. But like there's just mental freedom in that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, being on the other side of it is crazy. Cause like when I made that first video, the dropout video, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna make it to sixty thousand or fifty thousand in a year. Like that was never the goal. When I hit ten thousand, I was like, people are watching this crap. Like, how is this possible? <laughs> and like that self-portrait <laughs> video, like, only came out of a place of like, well, I have no gigs. Maybe other photographers don't have gigs. What can we work on? Maybe we can work on taking pictures of ourselves and posing ourselves so we can learn how to pose other people. And that just took off. I'm like, I don't get it. And then my most viral video, <laughs> which is like only two minutes long, I'm like, I don't want to make self-portrait videos anymore. It's kind of like old. I'll just put one more in the in the tank. I made it like two minutes long. I didn't even talk. Blows up. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get this whole like YouTube algorithm thing. It's just like so volatile, so out of my control. Um, so like, it is what it is. Like the numbers are out of my control. The only thing I can control is what I teach how I teach it and how much fun I'm going to have with it. So yeah. Boom. That's it. That's a mic drop right there. That's I the love sauce. That. That's the <laughs> That's the sauce. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> Chris, 
I, I think it's safe to say that you're you're basically the freaking man, and we appreciate so much that you've taken time to to hang out with us today and and talk with us. You just talked about yourself a lot. We're just going to ask you to do that a little bit more. Where can everyone find your incredible work? Um, you could find me on YouTube. You could just type my name, Chris Chu. Chu is spelled C-H-U, not C-H-E-W, that a lot of people have done. Um, you could find me on Instagram at who's Chris Chu. Um, same spelling. And uh, yeah, you could find me both there on YouTube and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I don't have a Twitter because I feel like Twitter is like too crazy for me to be on. I don't ever want to be on that platform. So you can't find me wild, there. Wild West. Yeah, it is the Wild West out there. So yeah, you can find me there. And thank you guys for having me on this podcast. I feel like this is, well, not I feel, I know this is like such a huge honor for me. And dude, Eric Floberg, like I'm on a podcast with Eric Floberg. <laughs> Two years, three years ago, I watched this guy's 100K video and me and my friends were gushing like, oh my God, Eric put out a new video. Did you see it? Tilt ship lens. Oh, he's just a Leica kind of thing. And then like now I'm able to like talk to him, text him. I'm like, ah! oh <laughs> like it's gosh. crazy. Like, <laughs> the internet is the internet is a fun place. The internet's a fun place. Sometimes, That's very very cool. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's also the wild wild west, and you might die. <laughs> yeah, you might die. <laughs> oh man, too good. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on. I think people are gonna find a ton, a ton of value in this episode, and I hope you guys learned a bunch. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for Thanks, having man. me on. Peace, brother.